0: Do you ever wonder what happened to your friends from high school? I mean, you were so close. You laughed together, you cried together, you shared some of the best years of your lives together, and yet, somehow through life, you just lost touch. Now it's time to relive those moments once again. Introducing the podcast that takes you back in time to the place where it all began. This is Class Reunion. We're bringing you all the gossip, secrets, and scandals from your high school days that you won't want to miss. Join us as we catch up with old classmates and dive into the wildest stories from our high school days. From those legendary parties to the infamous cliques, we're spilling all the tea on who's who and what really went down. So grab a seat, turn your volume up, and get ready for a trip down memory lane. Class Reunion, the podcast that reunites us all.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Class Reunion. Today is a single episode of why I married an alcoholic. Let's dive in, shall we? This is a weird one. They seem to get weirder, but I appreciate you all being along for the journey of what was Leanne Lauterbach pepper back in the day. Okay. So I had talked previously about being in a relationship and it just, you know, there was a lot of drama at my house. And so it wasn't my best light of being a a decent girlfriend uh, for somebody that I dated for a while. And so when you're on the rebound of those types of situations, you don't always make the best next choice. And I certainly didn't. So I was at Mr. Joe's. I was living in a studio apartment. And that would have been what was that northwestern highway area? Mr. Joe's is a sports bar. And the pistons were in the playoffs and we were all sharing a, a like a picnic table style. And we decided to sit with with these guys. And I remember sitting next to this dude who had a short glass and I thought it was ginger ale. So that should give you an idea of how dumb I was, but it was Jane B. Scotch, which hold on to that because that label haunts me to this day. So we proceeded to have a decent time, shared phone numbers, and we started dating. And I'm going to say that I thought he was older, or he was older. I thought it would be like much different than it, than it turned out to be, And but we still pursued a relationship for Like a year or so. There was a moment in time that I knew what I was doing wasn't going to benefit me. But again, remember, and I'm okay with admitting this, maybe some of you feel this way. You look back and you're like, (laughs) I was such a dumb Dora. And I was a very immature early 20s, right? So I didn't have self awareness. My self esteem was shot. I was just going through the motions, really not having any sense of self. And yes, a lot of us are that you know were that way but i certainly beat myself up for a very very long time about it but anyway that was my men- mentality of how i stayed in this relationship so we date and there was a moment in time in the summer where we were having a barbecue my brother and sister-in-law were coming in from florida we were having this great backyard party and my boyfriend was there. And later in the evening, some of my friends were going to stop by and meet him for the first time, which as you know, that's a big deal. Like when you're a young lady and you want to introduce your boyfriend to your, to your friends. And they came about, I don't know, seven maybe or something like that. And the shit show had already commenced to full force. So this person that I dated, or I can say I married him, so I don't know why I'm worried about hiding his identity. He went through a whole fifth of J&B vodka by the afternoon. So the performance level was not (laughs) there, or was it? Uh, When my friends showed up, he could barely speak. It was so embarrassing, but I was stuck in a situation where my family loved him, which should have been a big red flag. And my dad, who loves to drink as well, he's a martini dude, He's now offering this guy Chevette's Regal because we'd uh, gone through the Jane B. And I just remember feeling mortified and it is escalated so out of control I don't know what to do. So three of my friends were there and they proceeded to stay for like what felt like maybe only 20 minutes, kind of rolled their eyes and said, "We'll we'll meet him another time" and left. Later in the evening, now mind you that's after a fifth and additional Chevetz Regal. He decides to go out on the front lawn and take a piss. You know, that's what you do when you're in Franklin, Michigan. And I was like, what is happening here? And of course everyone's laughing, but I'm dying. I'm thinking this is it. I This is a good indicator and perfect opportunity to get out of the relationship. And quite the opposite happened. So I won't blame anyone but myself because it's how you react to situations, right? But I never reacted well to any situation. (laughs) Oh, I can laugh at myself. But I thought that was going to be a perfect opportunity. You know, the guy's pissing in the yard, can't speak. Um, How we let him drive home, I have no idea. This would have been, say, I got married in 91. So maybe, maybe 90. And I did the typical not knowing how to deal with things and went in the room and and cried. And everyone was like, oh, don't worry about it. Everyone makes mistakes. You know, don't judge him by this. He's so funny. And no one supported the situation from my perspective. They were all like, forgive and forget. Don't make this a big deal. And, I'll explain why that ended up being really important later, but that was like kind of a bummer because I thought it was going to be my way to get out, and then everyone else is telling me I'm crazy and I'm overreacting and I shouldn't worry about it. Fast forward the next day, I found out that he was actually sent home from work because he still stunk so bad at his employment that they made him go home. And again, I share this information. And everyone just laughed. So I'm sharing this with you to set up the fact that I married an alcoholic because I was told that's what I deserved. And that's probably a harsh analysis. But in my opinion, nobody ever stood up for me or felt like, hey, this dude's a jerk. Don't mess with my sister kind of thing that you see in the TV shows that I always longed for it was always i was the bad bad person i was the one that was dramatic and why would i think i deserved any more than what was given to me so i never really felt that sense of like where someone's got your back it was always the back of whoever i was with that they were always the most important person and i was secondary and that was weird because i was the youngest and so there's that perception right that the youngest is spoiled and you know everybody looks out for the youngest child. And that was not the case. So remember, I was part of my parents' marriage and dealt with that privately on my own. And then were it you know was found myself in these dysfunctional relationships. And had to figure it out for myself because there wasn't anybody saying, hey, this is what you deserve. You are a great person. You have a lot to offer. It was never that. It was more like, this is as good as it's going to get, girl. And uh, that resonated and stayed with me for a long time. So there wasn't this business of like really finding someone that I probably should have been with. It was Who could you be with? And just take it. And, you know, he could be charismatic when he was drunk. So, of course, everybody thought that was great. But anybody who's married an alcoholic will tell you, you know, they're a lot of fun on the outside. On the inside, it's an extremely, extremely lonely world. And you pick up the pieces of those incidences. But, you know, knowing that that's where the level was of what I was told to accept, I stayed with it. And just to talk about the level of reinforcement, so, you know, definitely nobody cared about that incident. He would back up his car. There was a house in Dearborn that we owned, and he would always back it up in the driveway. And, you know, we lost a a side mirror, like, probably every other week. And so there were some pretty dramatic things that took place. He never should have driven as often as he did. I let him do it. So, I can't take all, I can't put all the blame on him. I was a participant. But, you know, that's not a secure lifestyle to start out with. And that is how I kind of began my life. So, um, one of the things I will say that struck a chord was at Christmas one year, I did tell my parents, like, look, we're not going to get engaged this Christmas because. You know how that is, especially at our age. Back then, you dated for a certain length of time, and then you got engaged. That was just kind of it. And if you were in your mid twenties, he was actually older. He was later to get married with his friends. Uh, pretty much, whoever you were dating, it it had to lead to marriage. It was either going to be a breakup or marriage. And you know, somehow, we chose the path that we thought was easier, which was <laughs> marriage. Oh, oh, god. Uh, so. I remember telling my parents, like, look, he's not into the whole, I'm going to get engaged at Christmas. And I knew that because he had shared that with me and we had already picked out a ring. So I had an idea it was coming, but, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be Christmas. And I remember my mom folding laundry in the laundry room and she looked at me and said, And I know this is going to sound archaic, but this is what she said at the time. Honestly, do you think he's going to marry you when he can get the milk for free? I know that sounds very old-fashioned, but it struck a chord. Um, She was like, you know, you're with him all the time, which which I was. I would stay over there. But, you know, what a thing to say. And I just was kind of like, okay. So I knew that by the time we did get engaged, it was going to be anticlimactic because she had already felt that, Either I was pushing him into it or she just wasn't fully on, on board thinking I was going to get engaged. And again, I know I've watched a lot of Hallmark TV or whatever it is, but the backup from, from my family in terms of where I stood in the hierarchy was not anything you see on TV. It just was never like, don't mess with my daughter or my sister or anything like that. It was just such an after afterthought. And there was just no, like, encouraging me to get the best out of life that I could because of the fact that I deserved it. It was never that. But that was a very hurtful situation that um, was just so much indicative of what was to come. So we in, and I can't even tell you when we got engaged, January, February, I don't know. We went to a Michigan State football game, and I remember we drove up to the jeweler in the car. He was like, just a minute, I have to go get something. What, pizza? I mean, obviously, I knew you were going to pick up the ring. And he puts it in his pocket, comes into the car, he's got it in his leather jacket, and we drive for an hour and a half up to Lansing, and I'm like, "What? when is this going to happen? And he's like, oh, no, no, nothing, nothing. Like, it's a big surprise. He's got this big bulge in his pocket and it's not from sitting next to me. So we go to this, you know, deli, restaurant or whatever, and he just pulls it out on the table and says, do you wanna? Do you wanna? Even my son knows that story and laughs about it. I was like, Joe, if there's one thing you do, you better figure out how to propose properly because that ain't it. That ain't it. Uh, but yes, I said yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh God. And then we went to the basketball game and that was really about it. So, you know, we, we did some planning and I had to move back home because even though we had bought a home in Dearborn, my parents, and even though I was there all the time, my parents didn't want there to be an an impression of me (laughs) living with him for, I don't know, two to three months, maybe it was. So my lease was up. We had bought a house and I couldn't move in. So Jay lived in the house. So he was having a good old time in our home and I had to move back home and stay with my dysfunctional parents during this time. And so it was really, really rough. And I... Was in turmoil all the time because I didn't think this was the right thing to do, but now you're so in it. I think I threw the ring back, I don't know, four or five times, really. I mean, it was ridiculous how many times I I gave him back the ring. So I tried, y'all. I did try, but, you know. And there's always that reputation thing and, you know, what will people say? And it's stupid, but I fell into it all. And now we're so deep into showers and everything else that you just kind of go with the motions. And a lot of my friends were already married. And I think I was one of the later ones to get married in my group at 25. Ugh. And so I'm going to fast forward to the rehearsal dinner. So the day before the rehearsal dinner, there was a pretty serious incident. And I'm going to talk about it with detail and not so much detail. I've hesitated about whether to share some of this, but it is what it is. And again, remember, this is my story. So I remember those card catalogs like you would have for your shower and it had like, you know, who gave you a shower gift and who's coming to the wedding. And then you put down what they gave you It was just like a chronicle thing of you know, it was your database back in the day, but in a card catalog form, <laughs> and um, you know, and you would place a sticker who was coming and who wasn't coming, and and keep track of the wedding gifts with the address. And I was pretty organized. I was pretty proud of myself, and and I liked my little white you know card catalog with a bride on the front or whatever it was, and. I had opened a particular gift, and I remember I was working full time, so I was coming home from from work, and I opened the gift, and I and I and I loved it. You know, don't forget, you register for ninety nine percent of this stuff, so it's always a fun treat to get it, but it's not like earth shattering shocking because you actually registered for it. And so I was like, "Oh, this is great! These are the pans I wanted," and I remember putting it on the card. And my mom apparently didn't like my reaction and came after me and threw the card catalog system, the Dewey Decibel system, threw it across the room. So now all 200 cards are flying all over the room and proceeded to call me an ungrateful bitch and a bunch of other things. And this is where it gets a little dicey, but just bear with me. And remember, I keep saying this over and over, we're getting really dark and, and deep and then it all has its way of coming out in the laundry uh, later, so, so bear with me. It, it's, it's just part of life. It's our, it's our story, right? We all had our trauma. Anyway, she started chasing me around the house. I tried to call my dad at work. She ripped the phone right out of the wall. I locked myself in the bathroom for a while tried to climb out the window. She was outside on the other side. And now I proceeded to go to the garage to take my car to get out of the house. And she was already in the garage and had started her own car and had backed it up. This was impressive. I don't don't know how she did it. She backed up the car and turned it sideways on the driveway so I couldn't go anywhere. she was like Mario Andretti back in the day. I don't even know how she did it. Could probably never repeat that trick again, but that is what happened. So I went to a family member's house. That didn't go very well. It was like, go back home. I went to a gas station, pay phone. I called Jay and he was like, "What do you want me to do about it?" And that was it. And I kind of, I keep saying this: there, there is moments in time that just keep sticking in your brain of like, "This is it. This is this is all I've got. No one's going to rescue me." And he hung up, went back to work. I was, I think, I was on Franklin Road and something. Anyways, it was a long walk back. By this time, my dad had come home from work and. That ensued into a fight, and my mom wasn't going to come to the wedding. So this was the rehearsal dinner that was going to be the next day, and she's like, I'm not coming, which I could have given a crap at that point. And it was ugly, awful, screaming. It was terrible. And what do we do? We get dressed, and we go to the rehearsal dinner. Okay. So... I am smiling as if nothing happened, but meanwhile, I'm so shattered. Have you ever just like, this is the way your life is, and you're just going through the motions, but you feel like nobody even cares? I mean, one of the things I will say that, that Jay and I used to laugh about is, like, we'd have dinner with the family and everything, and no matter when I wanted to t- try, like try and tell a story... Uh, I was always interrupted.
0: I was always
1: interrupted. And then everyone would just listen to the next person's story. It kind of got to be comical. It was one of the things that we did have a good time about, which was (laughs) laughing at my expense of having my family listen to me. But anyway, we go to the rehearsal dinner. We work our way through that. His friends are loaded. And I'm going to tell that story in a second here. And then uh, we came back home. And when we came back home... Um, everyone was still in my parents' house, again, continuing to drink. And I remember the betrayal I felt. So I looked over, I sat in this chair, came from the kitchen, and I looked over and Jay is on the couch with his arm wrapped around my mother and gushing over her. Now, you know, you put people in a tough situation. I get it when you invite them into your family dynamics, but you're about to marry this woman the next day. She's been nothing but devastated. Her mother wasn't supposed to show up and said she wasn't going to come to the wedding. She had put your fiance through a terrible ordeal of 52-card pickup and chasing her around the home, and you are loving on her as if she's gandhi or whatever the guy's name is. And I felt such a sense of betrayal of like, boy, I'm never going to be anybody's person. I'm never going to be the one that experiences unconditional love by a partner. Uh, And perhaps I wasn't giving it. I mean, this is is a one-way story. I get it. But it's a natural human reaction, I think, to want to take the side of your partner and support that person, whether you agree with them or not. And just that visual, obviously, what am I, 57? I've been divorced for a hundred years. I still remember that scene, that particular scene of him with his arm around her on the couch, as if to say, I don't know. I don't know what I, I, I just took it as a betrayal. And here we are getting dressed for this wedding and I'm numb. I'm numb. The next day should be the best day of my life. I drove by myself to this place to get my hair done. I picked out my jewelry by myself. Like everyone was in their own little world. It was really weird. And I hated my dress. I also, that's a whole nother story, but like I wasn't supported in picking out my wedding dress in the way that traditionally was given to other people. And even the bridesmaids' dresses, by the time we picked them out, I, I hated them. I know they did too. I don't even know why we picked them. They were a pink pastel, which I hate, with these puffy sleeves. And But it just, it was never a fun event. There was never any focus on me when I would come out with a dress. Everyone was busy talking. This was very, very weird. So I hated my dress. I hated the day, hated my hair. And I just remember hearing the sound of the bells while I'm sitting in the limo waiting to go out and walk down the aisle like this is just not how it's supposed to feel. I didn't back out. My problem, like I said, every reaction I chose. And so my life turned out the way that I let it. Turn out, but it was a miserable, miserable day. And I remember we were at the altar and one of his friends was doing a reading, and he was so incredibly trashed from the day before. A lot of his friends were alcoholics as well, you know, monkey see, monkey do, that people thought we made room in our program for someone with special needs. <laughs> he had special needs all right he was hung over and he just couldn't even commit to what he was trying to say or the reading itself it was awful and that was just not at all what i expected on my wedding day on my rehearsal and again the rest of my my marriage so i will i'm going to fast forward through quite a few things but there were several times during the marriage where I did want to leave. And I, at one point, didn't care. I mean, I was kind of like, forget the reputation or what people think. I don't really care. I'm going to actually move back home, which meant you knew it was bad if I was going to move back home. And he did, you know, what a lot of people do in his position. He begged me to stay. And I did. And we had tried for quite some time to have children, and it wasn't necessarily in the cards. And I remember thinking, this is a sign, you know, like this is maybe another way to also get out because I don't have any children. And we went to Chicago for the weekend. And so I will say that he was, you know, a successful businessman and always had the opportunity for advancement and the opportunity to move. I mean, I think we were offered California, New York, Colorado, Chicago. I mean, just some really cool cities. And we never took any of the advancements in his career because he had Michigan State football tickets. I mean, he would not move and leave because he wanted to go to Michigan State football. Everybody's different. But I always wanted to explore the world and was sort of resentful about it, especially since a lot of the travel that he did and the fun events and and club trips, spouses weren't allowed. So for like the first few years of our marriage, you know, we either went up north with his buddies and would get drunk or he would go on a club trip. That was it. There wasn't anything specific that we did on our own. It was just weird. I never really went anywhere. And then to just not have spouses involved. It was it was the it was kind of like the advertising lifestyle back in the day, but wasn't fun for me. So we go to Chicago and I actually started to look for condos, high-rise condos, because you know, he had seemed pretty jacked about the opportunity and I wanted to explore what it would you know, look like. And there was a new place, right A Miracle Mile, as a matter of fact, 120,000, if you can believe that. And I spent the day with this realtor and went through the different units. They were converting them and turning them into purchase. And they were stunning and uh, loved it. And I was really pumped about it. And We came home and um, let me fast, let me back up. When we got to Chicago, I thought it was going to be a really nice romantic weekend. And what do we do? We run into some guy at the airport who's a friend of his who wants to party with us all weekend. I mean, it's our first night there and we're making plans to meet this guy at some bar. And it's just, it gets old after a while. It gets really old. So we did that the first night. And then, of course, when I said I wanted some time together for the rest of the weekend, it just, you know, always begs for an argument. Like, what's the big deal kind of thing? And it's like, well, I'm your wife. I don't know. It was weird. I I just never felt special. So that was weird that I was miserable that whole weekend because of the fact that we had to entertain this douchebag. And we come home from that trip and lo and behold, I'm pregnant, and everything changed. So I still would have gone to Chicago regardless of being pregnant or not, but now we are staying put, and there's a whole lot to, to that as well on how the marriage unraveled, but I was blessed, obviously, to be pregnant, but it did change the trajectory of our marriage. It changed the trajectory. Okay, so we decide to just stay put and not pursue moving to Chicago I do remember when I was pregnant that I thought it was really weird we went for the ultrasound and I didn't care this is before gender reveals but you know we wanted to know what we were having and I remember being really disappointed by his reaction so they had said it was a boy which I was pleased with, I had no preference whatsoever, but we get in the car and he calls his mom disappointed and said, yeah, it's a boy. I was hoping for a girl. Now this is why I don't like gender reveals. I think they're so stupid. I mean, why are we caring? I I, I just don't even understand why there's such an emphasis on the gender of the child And not the child themselves. I mean, I understand if you have five boys and you really want, you know, the sixth sixth one to be a girl or something like that. But your first child, like a second child, any child, I don't know. I just will never grasp the importance of it being a boy or a girl. And I don't know. You kind of think that as a dad, it would be cool to have your first son. But no, he told his mom he was disappointed. And I just drove home thinking, wow, that was like the most amazing day of my life. And I know he's not happy. He never really was into the kicking of the belly. You know, there just wasn't a whole lot of personal touch during that time at all uh, about, you know, my stomach or anything like that. It was just a lonely nine months and it was... Weird. I mean, I was kind of used to it at that point because that's how he was with me, but it it, it just wasn't, again, what I was hoping it would be. I traveled all the time. I was on the road all the time. And, you know, he would never call and check on me. It wasn't any kind of particular caring chip that he had. and, And so it was very singular transaction, I guess, if you will. You know, it came to the ultrasound, but that was about it. We did do the the labor classes but you know i just don't remember like sitting and thinking about what a special time this was as a couple and it just was like uh, so again it was a blessing but it was it was something that just came so much later in the marriage when i really was ready to go and i've even said this to my son i feel like he's such a part of me that he would have been My package deal, no matter who I ended up being with. So he he and I are just way too close for words. And so I don't mind sharing a lot of this because it's stuff we've already talked about. But anyway, that's the life of an alcoholic. And then my son is born and now tragedy strikes. So stay tuned for the next single episode. Thanks so much for listening, my friends. This is Class Reunion.
0: All right, friends, that's it for this episode of Class Reunion Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show, write us a review, and share this podcast with a friend. Until next time.